word means? Forget to go. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salam ala abdillahi wa rasulih nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'd. We okay to go? Okay. So the first thing is, I want to just start by apologizing. We've had a few equipment issues over the last couple of days. We've had some uh, electric sh uh, electricity shortages in the masjid and so on, which has meant that we haven't been able to do the live streams always the way that we would want. The tafsir class did go ahead yesterday, but what happened was it wasn't able to be broadcast because there was a problem with the uh, equipment. And today also, I think the live stream started and stopped. So if you're looking for the live stream, it's here. Inshallah, we're going to try and get you on the right stream. You know you're watching the right class. So we are continuing with the tafsir of Suratul Fatiha. I've got some questions. Do you know any other names for Suratul Fatiha? Because we got up to Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen last class. Do you know any names for Suratul Fatiha? Apart from Suratul Fatiha. Do you know any names? Danny, you know any names? What about Yusuf? At least you heard of a different name for Surah Al-Fatiha? It's got lots of names. It's called Ummul Quran, the mother of the Quran. Why, why do you call it Ummul Quran? Like in Arabic, why do you call something Umm? Like it doesn't mean mother because the, I mean the Quran wasn't born. The Quran is Allah's speech. But what does it? What does the word? If it says it's like the mother of the Quran, Ummul Quran, like Makkah is called Ummul Qura, the mother of the cities. The name for another name for Makkah is Ummul Qura, the mother of all the towns. Yes, Aisha. Sorry. It summarizes, nearly, close, everything goes back to it. So like, if you, what's your relationship to your mother, yeah? That you go back, that's where you came from. That's your, the, the starting place, like the origin of it all. So that's what the, when the Arabs, they use the word um, they sometimes use it for what something goes back to and the heart of it, the main part of something and the, most important part of something, they call it um, the most important part. So it's the most important part of the Quran. It's the most important surah in the Quran. What's another name for it? How, how many ayat does Surah Al-Fatiha have, did we say last time? Seven. So it's, it's got a name to do with seven. Do you know what that name is? The seven... The, nearly, not the seven verses, nearly, the seven... Repeated verses al-Mathani The seven repeated verses Why is it called the repeated verses? You say it so many times you, How many times do you say Surah Al-Fatiha every day? If you pray five times a day Just five times a day No sunnah, nothing You just pray five times a day Quickly give me an answer How many, th how many times? Without working it out Huh? Not more than 11 17 Work it out Fajr, twice. Dhuhr, twice. Four times. Dhuhr, four times. Sahih. Dhuhr, I was thinking about reading aloud. Dhuhr, four times. So that makes six. Asr, four times. That makes ten. Maghrib, 
makes 13 and Isha 17 times without any sunnah or witr or anything, 17 times. You add witr in there, you got 20 times. You add the sunnah of fajr in there, 22 times. You add all of your ratiba prayers in there and you have another 12. And it's something like 32 times. So it's a lot of times that you repeat Surah Al-Fatiha. It's also, while we get into the tafsir, it's really important to remember that Surah Al-Fatiha is a conversation between you and Allah. Now what do you have to have for a conversation? Uh-huh, go on. You were, you were doing the hand signal, it was right. What do you have to have for a conversation? Two sides. You can't, if I just, I'm reciting, for example, I'm just reciting something from the Qur'an. That's, that's not a two-way conversation. So what makes Surah Al-Fatiha a two-way conversation? What do you think? Who are you speaking to when you pray? Who are you speaking to when you pray? Allah. Agreed? When you pray, you are speaking to Allah. How do you know that Allah hears you? He hears everything. Okay, but I want evidence. In the prayer, when you stand up from ruku, what do you say? Sami Allahu liman hamidah. Allah hears the one who praises him. Allah, Allah hears. Here it doesn't mean hear, it means answers. Allah answers the one who praises him. So Allah hears what you say. Okay, but that's still not a conversation. That's you asking Allah. Oh Allah, give me this. Oh Allah, give me this. Okay, Allah hears. But what makes it a conversation? Allah has to say something to you, but you don't hear it. But what does Allah say? When you say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah says, Hamadani Abdi, my servant has praised me. My servant has praised me. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, who is this for? Is it for you or for Allah? It's for Allah, right? You're praising Allah. Why do you start by praising Allah? Why don't you just raise your hands and say, Oh Allah, guide me. I know it's a sunnah. I'm not saying about the sunnah or not. I'm, I'm just asking you generally. Why do you think that you don't just say, Oh Allah, guide me. An introduction, you want to get your dua close to Allah. So, when you want something Okay, let me ask you a question Aside from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala When you want something from your mom and dad And you're not really allowed I'm going to ask especially to you Because you're expert at this How do you usually get it? Yes Okay, begging for it, yeah, that's one thing, true. And you beg Allah, no doubt. Very, very good for you. 
Huh? Be very good for a few minutes, okay? No, taking it without knowing that's Yimkin uh, from you. That's one of the things you do, but I, it's, no. So what you usually do is you start with a sentence like, Mom, you know how... And you get a chance for your... Yeah, you get your chance for your request to be answered. Now, it's not like that with Allah. Because Allah is different. Allah is different. But I'm trying to show you why you introduce your dua. Because you want to praise Allah, to give Allah what He deserves. You want to make yourself close to Allah. You want to make your dua close to Allah and then ask for what you want. Okay, so you praised Allah and Allah said, my slave has praised me. Okay, we come to the next ayah now. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim the most merciful, the bestower of mercy. Now we explained these two, these two names last time. So we don't need to explain them again, inshallah. We already explained them. So inshallah, we don't need to explain them again. Okay, so we'll, we said Ar-Rahman is the most merciful, the one whose mercy covers everything, even it covers the non-Muslims. How does it cover the non-Muslims if they're not even Muslim? How do they even have any mercy from Allah? If they're not Muslim in the first place. Hmm? No, because the only, I mean, the only thing that matters is Islam So Allah didn't give them Islam So how can we say that that mercy covers them? First of all, the mercy in their lives in general That they have food to eat that they have a place to live, that they are healthy, that they are safe. But there's a bigger mercy than that. What's the big mercy Allah gives them? The biggest mercy. Not, they're not, they, and we're not talking about the non-Muslims. The Muslim, we're not talking about, we're talking about the people who are not Muslim. So they're not going to get jannah. Huh? Okay, but they don't become Muslim yet. It's not difficult when you think about it. Okay, if you were really kind to somebody, really kind, and you did everything for them, and they turned around and threw it all back in your face, what would you want to do straight away? Yeah, you want to have a go straight away. You want to get back at them immediately. What does Allah do? Give them time. That's a big mercy. Because what they deserve is dead. Gone. You didn't believe in Allah? Gone. Jahannam, straight away. No stopping, no pauses. Instant. But what does Allah give them? Allah gives them time. And Allah gives them a chance. Allah gives them time. And Allah gives them a chance. A chance to think about Islam, a chance to accept Islam, a time. They disobey Allah and Allah keeps giving them. Allah gives them food and they say bad things about Allah. Allah gives them clothing, they say bad things about Allah. Allah gives them a house, they say bad things about Allah. 
Allah gives them money, they say bad things about Allah. But still, Allah doesn't punish them until their time has come. That's from the mercy of Allah that covered everybody. Because to be honest, even Muslims, if you did something bad to Allah, like you didn't do your prayer, or you did something that you shouldn't have done as a Muslim, what should, what should Allah do? Like what would be the normal thing? Punish you. But Allah lets it go. Allah forgives you. Allah overlooks. Allah gives you a chance. Allah gives you another time. This is all from the mercy of Allah, the general mercy. What about mercy of Allah to the animals? Because we say mercy covers everything. What is the mercy of Allah to the animals? Keeping them alive. Okay, good. Giving them their food. Imagine the bird flies out of its nest in the morning. How does that bird have any idea that it's going to get food? How does it even know where to go in the ground to pick up a worm or to pick up something that it's going to eat? Allah. How does that bird even fly? What did Allah say in Surah Al-Mulk? Surah Al-Mulk. The word for bird is tayr. أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْا إِلَى الطَّيْرِ فَوْقَهُمْ صَافَّاتٍ وَيَقْبِضْنُ مَا يُمْسِكُهُنَّ إِلَّا الرَّحْمَانِ Don't they look at the birds above them? And those birds are stretching out their wings and they fly through the sky. No one keeps them in the sky except Ar-Rahman, the most merciful. Allah is the one that keeps them from the sky from falling. What's the mercy of Allah to the sky and the earth that Allah didn't cause the sky to fall down upon the earth? Subhanallah, so much, even the mercy that the animal has towards its little one. When you see the animal, you know, okay, you like horses. When you see the mare with the foal and how she looks after the foal, takes care of it and protects it. Yeah, that's from the mercy of Allah. You can see it. But there is a special mercy and Allah doesn't give that mercy to everybody and that is the meaning of Ar-Rahim, the one who chooses who the special mercy goes to. He doesn't give it to everybody. Is it fair to give it to everybody the same? Is, it, is that not fair? Everyone should be equal, right? Everybody equal. Let's be fair. Everyone equal. Should it? No. أَفَنَجَعَلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ كَالْمُجْرِمِينَ مَا لَكُمْ كَيْفَ تَحْكُمُونَ Shall we make the Muslims like the criminals? That's not fair. Somebody does bad things to people, should we give them good things? It's not fair. So Allah in his fairness and wisdom, he doesn't just give that mercy out to everybody, he gives it to some people. So when you're given it by Allah, you have to protect it and look after it. Because it's a special gift you got from Allah. And that special gift is what, Yusuf? In this, I'm talking about now. Islam, that's the special gift. What do you think, Lisha? Jannah is even more special in the hereafter. But we don't know if we're going to get that yet. So let's just talk about what we have now. What you have to look after is your Islam. Because Allah gave that special gift. And if you don't look after it, what did Allah say? We're going to replace you with what? Qawman ghayrakum. 
a people who are not like you. We're going to replace you with a people and those people are not going to be like you are. If you don't look after that gift and you don't take care of it, Allah is going to take it from you and give it to somebody else. And that happened to people. Some people, they walked away from Islam, they left Islam. Allah took that gift from them and said, you were not looking after that gift. You were not taking care of that gift. I gave you something special and you didn't care about it. Gone. Give it to somebody else. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. When you hear this ayah, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most merciful and the one who gives out his mercy, what does it make you feel about Allah? Thankful, good. To try hard, okay. Does it make you feel hopeful, would you say? Yeah? When you hear mercy, everyone gets mercy and so much mercy, it makes you kind of feel hopeful, right? You feel like, okay, inshallah, I can get mercy too. Even if I've done wrong things, I can still... I can, still get, I can still get Allah's mercy. It doesn't matter even if I've done something wrong. Like Allah said, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ Or my servants who have oppressed themselves, they've gone against, they've done something wrong to themselves. Don't despair. What does despair mean? Give up hope. Yeah, don't give up hope of mercy from Allah. Don't give up hope of mercy from Allah. Allah forgives all sins. So it gives you hope. Okay. Maliki Yawmiddin. Okay. The first thing I got a question for you. Have you ever heard this ayah recited differently? What do you think, Danny? Do you know what it sounded like when you heard it differently? Maliki Yawmiddin. Okay. So the first question is, how can there be different ways of reciting the Qur'an? How can there be different ways of reciting the Qur'an? How is it possible? Because you can't recite the Qur'an however you like. We all agreed. You can't just make it up. Yeah, you can't say Muliki. You can't say, you have to say it. Maliki or in a different way, Maliki Yomiddin. Okay? And even Maliki Yomiddin, you can't say it unless you know how to read the whole surah like that. You can't just read one ayah like that. You have to read the whole surah in that style. But how can there be different ways of reading the Quran? How can people have just made up new ways of reading the Quran? Okay, different, I, I agree with you, different types of Arabic. They even, I'm not talking about modern Arabic, I'm talking about classical Arabic. Had lughat, it had different, uh, it had different, you can say dialects or different types of language which were from different tribes, but still doesn't answer. You can't just recite it the way one tribe recited it. Okay, that's okay. You're talking about here, you're talking about the ahruf. Of the Quran, the way the Quran contains the language of all of the tribes. That's fine, but that doesn't explain how I can recite the Quran in different ways. Shout that out loud. 
No, no, I can't hear you. If you don't say it loudly, the person on the mic can't hear you. I don't know what I want him to say, because it's right. Say, you got the answer right. Because the Prophet ﷺ did. That's the right answer. Well done. That's the right answer. Because the Prophet ﷺ did. He didn't recite the Quran one way only. He recited the Quran in different ways. And all of those different ways were preserved and learnt and memorized and passed on. Does that make sense? So the Prophet ﷺ recited sometimes Maliki Yawmiddin. And sometimes he recited Maliki Yawmiddin. And you can't mix and match. You have to do you have to learn how to do one and then learn how to do another one. You can't just one day decide to read Maliki Yawmiddin. And you have to learn the whole thing. So the Prophet ﷺ did it. And the Sahaba learned different styles of reading from him with some changes, some slightly different words. The words still match the, when you open the Quran, the words match. But sometimes the, the markings above the letters change or the one word comes long, one comes short like that. Yeah? And this was passed on and preserved. So all of these are many, many people learnt it and they passed it from the Prophet Sallallahu until it was recorded from some of the Imams of the Qur'an. Do you know anything else in Surah Al-Fatiha that's sometimes pronounced differently? What do you think? No, no, what people? I'm talking about what the Prophet ﷺ read, how he read differently in Surah Al-Fatiha. Very famous one, very famous word in Surah Al-Fatiha. The Prophet ﷺ recited it three different ways. Which word? No, Ar-Rahman Rahim, one way only. Ar-Rahman Rahim, only one way. Ah, okay. Sirat, the word Sirat. The word Sirat. How do we read Sirat? Sad, with a Sad, right? Sirat, yeah. What are the other ways the Prophet ﷺ read Sirat? Two other ways. Not like that, a little bit too much. Not like that. Nearly. He read it as halfway between Asad and Azai. Zirat. Zirat. Huh? Between Asad and Azai. Zirat. Huh? Zirat. And another way? With a scene, Sirat. Sirat. So he read it differently. And the Imams of the Quran, they learned the different ways to read it and they kept it. Does anyone know the way that we usually read the Quran, most people here? Do you know the name of that way? The style that we usually read? Do you know what it's called? Go on.
Okay, it's got two people's name. It's got the name of the student and the name of the teacher in it. Because the, the, the ways of reading, they're known by the student's name and the teacher's name. So we're not, I mean, the Prophet read all of them, but there was a famous teacher who taught that way and a famous student who learned it from him. Hafs was the name of the student. And what was the name of the teacher? Asim. So we call it Hafs and Asim, meaning Hafs who learnt it from Asim. That's the way we read the Quran usually. Most people today, when you hear the Imam read in the masjid, most of the time you hear Hafs and Asim. And that's a tiny number actually. Just the main Imams were seven and their students each at least two. You have 14, and that's just, there's many, after that, many more. That's just, so half just one out of, out of 14, and in fact, oh, out of, yeah, out of 14, if you want to be. And then on top of that, you have three more, and then, and then, and then, you have many, many more. So, if you look at that, the way we read, there are so many different ways to read the Quran. But, how can you learn those different ways? What do you have to do first? First, you have to learn one all the way through. So you have to learn hafs all the way to the end. From alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen all the way until min al-jinnati wa nas From the beginning all the way till the end, by memory. And when your teacher checked you and gave you permission, you can move on and you can learn a different one. What do you think is more, what do you think most of the Imams read? Do you think most of them read Maliki Yawmiddin or Maliki Yawmiddin? If you think Maliki Yawmiddin, put your hand up. Most of them read. Yusuf, what do you think? Yusuf's right. All of them read Maliki Yawmiddin except two. There was an imam whose name was Asim. We know Asim, the one how we read. Asim read Maliki Yawmiddin. And another imam who was called Al-Kisai. He also read Maliki Yawmiddin. Everyone else read Maliki Yawmiddin. So you're going to, inshallah, this is to give you an encouragement. Why I'm telling you is, so you feel encouraged that you finish the Quran in the style of Hafs, the narration of Hafs who's from his teacher Asim, and then you can learn a different way. And you can read Quran something in a different way. And then you can learn another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. And you learn the Quran so many different ways, and you learn more about the Quran as well. You can learn more about the Quran. And these days you don't see many people. There's many, many people still know how to read all the different ways. But in the masjid you rarely, very, very rare you hear somebody reads a different way to what we are used to. And sometimes if you read, maybe people, can you imagine if you read Zirat al-Ladheena an'amta alayhum? People say, why are you reading? They will say, get this imam and take him out and send someone else. But there's different ways. So it's nice to, to learn that so that in the future you have a dream that you can not just finish the Quran in one way, in one style, but you can finish the Quran in many different ways and you can listen to it sometimes when you finished you can listen to the different ways and you can 
you can learn some of them. Because it's nice to read the Quran. It gives you a different, gives you more energy, it gives you more understanding about the Quran. You enjoy changing, not reading the same way every time. Yeah, so it's something nice to think about. So, what's the difference between Maliki Yawmiddin and Maliki Yawmiddin? They're both from the Quran. They're both Quran. So we have to know both of them for the tafsir. That's another thing. If you have two different ways of reading an ayah, you have to learn the tafsir of both. Otherwise, you haven't done the tafsir. So what does Maliki Yawmiddin? We start with Hafs and Asim. Or we start with Asim. Asim's recitation and Al-Kisai. Maliki Yawmiddin. What does it mean? So Maliki means king. Let's go with Malik. Malik, the original word, means someone who owns something. Right? The Arabic word Malaka, it means to own something. Or it also can mean to have power over something as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Describes himself as Malik As Malik And he describes it for Yawm al-Din So you could call it sovereign You could call it the owner The one who is in complete control Of Yawm al-Din Or Yawm al-Din The day of al-Din a deen doesn't mean judgment. You're right, it is the day of judgment, but it doesn't mean judgment. The word deen is a difficult word. Sometimes you call it recompense. But what it means is you get back the reward or the punishment for what you've done. That's what the word deen means. You get reward if you've done good and you get punished or you might get punished. You can't say you will get punished because Allah might forgive you, but you might get punished if you've done something If you've done something wrong What does that make you feel When you hear that Allah is Maliki Yawmiddin Allah is the owner The sovereign Like the king The controller The one who has power Over The day of Recompense The day when everyone's going to get The rewards or the punishments How does it make you feel? You feel happy? No. Scared. A little bit scared, yeah? That on that day, Allah, there's no, if Allah doesn't forgive me, then I've got no chance. There's nobody going to come and help me. Why did Allah then say Maliki Yawmiddin when Allah is Malik Kulli Shay? Allah is the, the king of everything, the sovereign of everything. Why did Allah say why did Allah say about that day or like specifically that day every day Allah is al-Malik the sovereign the king Allah is in control every day why did he say that day He's in charge every day Okay, I'll, I'll give you a few different ways. First of all, in this world, does everybody agree that Allah is the true king? 
and that Allah is the only God worthy of worship? No. Are they wrong or right? They're wrong. But the people in this world, they don't all agree. On that day, will anyone disagree? Nobody. So it will be clear on that day. That's one reason. Because on that day, nobody is going to have any excuse. Nobody is going to say on that day, I'm a Hindu, I'm a Buddhist, I'm an atheist, I'm a Christian, I'm a Jew. No one on that day is going to say any of that. The other thing is, in this world, people own things. But how do they own it? Who gave it to them? Allah gave it to them. So you don't really own anything except what Allah gave you. But it seems like you own things. Like, you know, you look and this guy says, I own this house, this is my car. On the day of judgment, are you going to have a house? You're going to have a car when you come out of your grave? You're going to even have, not even have clothes, let alone a house and a car. So it will be clear to everybody that Allah is the true owner of everything. And it will be clear to everybody that Allah is the one that is in control of everything. And nobody will deny it. Nobody will say it's not true. In fact, the people who didn't believe in Islam will start making excuses. They will try. They will start saying, Oh Allah, we didn't. We, And then Allah will seal their mouth. And their hands and their feet will speak about what they did. So it's a very scary day. It's a very scary day. So it's a day you have to be scared of. So the first ayah, Ar-Rahman Rahim, gave you hope. The second ayah, Maliki Yawmiddin, gave you fear, made you scared. What about the first one, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen? When you think that Allah is the one who looks after you, takes care of you, gives you everything. Thankful, grateful, good, that's good. Some of the scholars say it makes you love Allah. Because you feel like you, you feel what, you feel like, what's the word? You feel like Allah has given you so many things and you feel so grateful. You love Allah and you have to love Allah more than everyone else. What's the evidence for that uh, cameraman? I'm not going to ask the little kids that you have to love Allah more than everything else. The word for love is hub. Surah Al-Baqarah. No, that you have to love. Hubban lillah. Wa minan nasi man yattakhidhu min duni Allah andadan يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ There are some people who have idols and partners that they love more than they love Allah. But those who believe love Allah more. How do you show you love Allah? Abu Uthman, how do you show you love Allah? Surah Al-Imran. قُلْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ 
فَاتَّبِعُونِ Say, if you love Allah, follow who? The Prophet If you love Allah, that means Allah has to come first, right? If you love Allah, that means that Allah has to be the most important to you. That means if you love Allah, you have to love Allah more than your mom and dad. You have to love Allah more than you love your games and toys. You have to love Allah more than you love everything that you have. So if you find something is haram, why, what, what would you do? You would leave it because you love Allah more than you love that thing that you're doing that's haram. Does that make sense? Okay, Maliki Yawmiddin. Maliki Yawmiddin is the, the king, the true king, the sovereign. When you say the word king, what, does that, what meaning does that give you? What's, what's a king in the sense of Allah? Because it's not, I mean, what's, what makes, I mean, it's not like the world, it's not like a person. So what makes Allah a king? The king, Al-Malik, the sovereign. The sovereign is just a, like a more difficult word for a king. What, what mean, what's the meaning you take from that? If a person came in this world and said, I'm the king of this country, in charge, okay, that Allah makes the, the, the rules of what's right and wrong, yeah, that everything Allah says and commands is done. Does that make sense? Because you would expect like a king who says, okay, you know, put that guy in prison. People don't turn around and say no, right? Nobody turns around and says no. No. I mean, okay, in the world, people do things like that. But for Allah, nobody ever says, Allah says do it, it nobody says no. Yeah? That Allah is in control, that Allah owns everything. Don't you think that about a king? That the king is the one that everything is theirs? Everything belongs to them and they gave out things to people like the kings of England who gave out, you know, you can have this piece of land, you can have this piece of land, you can have this house, you can have these, you know, horses and, you know, soldiers, they belong to you, they, they give out, but it belongs to them in the first place. So everything in the universe belongs to Allah. Everything in the heavens belongs to Allah. And Allah only gave things to people temporarily. Okay, what else? in control, that whatever they say, that's what has to happen, that they own everything and nobody else owns anything. Yeah, that Allah is going to question people about what they've done. Allah is going to ask, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And nobody's going to ask Allah. They're all from the meanings of Al-Malik. From the meanings of Al-Malik. Okay, good. Power as well. That's the other one I was thinking of, power. The word king means power, right? When you think about it, you have the power over people. And Allah has complete power over us. So that's the meaning of Maliki Yawmiddin or Maliki Yawmiddin. Okay. When you say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, what did I say Allah says? My servant has praised me. Hamadini Abdi. When you say, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Allah says, Majedani Abdi, my servant has glorified me. Okay? Like meaning that my servant has said 
the best things about me. All my servant has mentioned my glory, mentioned my, how I am above everyone and better than everyone. Yeah? When you say, Maliki Yawmiddin, Allah says, Athna Abdi. My servant has, it's kind of like praised, Athna has mentioned my praises, something like that. And he has mentioned my praises. That Allah, that the servant has mentioned about Allah all those things which are good. And we can only mention about Allah what's good if we say about Allah what Allah said. Otherwise, if we try to say about Allah something good from ourselves, we probably get it wrong, right? So we have to say about Allah what Allah said about himself. What do you say next? Okay. It means only you. That's what it means here. Only you. Only you. Iyaka. Only you. Na'budu. We worship. We only worship you. What do you think that, how is that important? Why is that important? Yusuf, what do you think? Why is that important? Could you... So I can hear what you say. Can you just get that down? Yeah. Go on. Why is it important that we only worship Allah? Okay, ask your first question. Why is it important that we worship Allah? Okay, it is right. It's the right thing to do. Does Allah need us to worship Him? No. For us, it's good for us. Allah, it's the right thing to do for Allah. It's what Allah deserves. But it, Allah doesn't need us to worship Him. Why is it important? Alicia, why is it important to worship Allah? It's an easy answer. And I've already mentioned it in the class. Yeah, no doubt it's good for us, but why? Why you worship Allah? Why do you worship Allah? Go on. We need to, no doubt we need to. Allah doesn't need us, but we need Him. What do you think? You have good answers. Come back and join the class, please. Okay, so could you say then, the reason we worship Allah is because Allah is Rabbul Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin? Would that not be a good answer? Because Allah is the Lord of the worlds and because Allah is the most gracious, most merciful, the bestower of mercy, because Allah is the owner or the king of the day of recompense, that's why we worship Allah. Is that the only reason? That's just an example of the 
of what? Of Allah's names and Allah's attributes. What does attributes mean? The things to do with Allah, the things we describe Allah with, what we say about Allah, how we describe Allah. Yeah? So Allah's names and the things we say about Allah and the things we describe Allah, how we describe Allah, those things mean that Allah is the only one that deserves to be worshipped. Does that make sense? If Allah is the one who created you, we said Rabbul Alameen, Allah is the creator. Allah is the sustainer. Allah is the one that provides for you. Allah is the one that gives you life. Allah is the one that causes you to die. Allah is the one that gives you mercy. Allah is the one who forgives you. Allah is the one who will give you either paradise or something else on the day of resurrection, on the day of judgment. Okay, if Allah is like that, how can you worship anything else? For example, now, this is why I said only. Is worshipping Allah enough? No. You have to only worship Allah. That word has to be there. La ilaha illallah. There is no God that deserves to be worshipped except Allah. You have to only worship Allah. You can't just worship Allah. You have to only worship Allah. Because let me ask you a question. Give me something other people worship. Cows. That's true. Surprisingly enough, there are some people who really, genuinely worship cows. I told you what I saw when I went. I, I've told you a few times. I don't know if I told this class. I went to India. And when I was in India, I saw this huge queue of people. It's maybe over 100, maybe more, over 100 people in a queue. And they were carrying plates of food and fruits and they were carrying uh, flowers in a ne like a necklace of flowers and they were carrying all kinds of uh, trays with perfume and incense and everything. And they were, you know, bowing down to this cow. Wallah al So they would go to the cow and they would give the food and they would bow like we bow in prayer and they would ask the cow for i don't know jannah or whatever and they would give the plate of fruits and the thing and they would take the necklace of flowers and put it on and put it on the cow wallahi i ask you allah does that cow know anything that's going on that cow doesn't have a clue that cow is saying that what are you people doing what are you doing? Does the cow eat those bananas and apples and oranges? The cow wants to eat grass. <laughs> he should have given me a plate of grass. <laughs> yeah, what's the benefit of these bananas and incense and perfume? I just wanted a plate of grass. That's what I eat. If you ask the cow for Jannah, can the cow give you Jannah? And how much of a sin is that? How bad is that? That Allah gave them everything and Allah created that cow. Or did the cow create itself? And then they go and they pray to that cow and they give food to that cow and they put flowers on the cow and they to the cow and they worship the cow. And the cow just sits there going, mm. <laughs> 
because the cow doesn't even speak. The cow can't even say thank you. Not that the cow would say thank you because cows, subhanAllah, like Allah said, inhum kal an'ami balhum adal. They're like cows, more, they're more misguided. Yani the cow knows more than them. But even if the cow could speak, maybe the cow will say, you know, thanks for the bananas or something, you know, like, but the cow can't even speak. How can you make dua to something that can't even speak? How do you make dua to something? How do you bow your head down on the floor to something that can't even talk? Okay, never mind. Let's just say this cow has amazing power. Hold on a second. How many cows are in the world? Lots and lots, millions and millions. and How do you know which cow? Okay, it just randomly grabbed a cow from the field. It's not a special cow. It's just one of the many cows. Tomorrow that cow is going to be where? Let's be brutal. Tomorrow that cow is going to be a beef burger. So tomorrow that cow is going to be somebody's beef burger. Tomorrow that cow is going to be someone's steak and chips. That's how it's going to be. That cow couldn't stop itself from dying. How is it going to stop you from dying? And that's why they get upset if somebody hurts the cow or hits the cow. Okay, you hit the cow with your car and the cow dies. You killed my God. What kind of a God is that? What kind of a God is that? What kind of a God is it that you hit it and it dies and it can't do anything? How are you going to go and ask that cow to save you? But that's not the only example. The cow at least is alive. There are more strange examples than that. There are people who go to stones. They put the stone, they make it a house, they build a house, a huge temple over the stone. And they go into the temple and they put food for the stone. Well, this is more stupid than the people who put food for the cow. They put food for the stone. I'm going to ask you another question. Hold on. Leave that. Leave that. More than that. Why do you need to feed God? God is the one that feeds you. You don't feed God. You don't give God food. God doesn't need food. And God is the one who gives you food. But they go to the stone and they put the food in front of them. Who eats the food, by the way? They come back, they say, my God ate the food. Who ate the food? The rats. The rats are loving it. The rats are thinking, this is our, this is our time. These people keep putting food on the floor, on top of the stone. This is our time now. They scurry up, they eat the food, the people come back, it's a miracle. The stone ate the food. Either the stone ate, either the rats ate the food, or, you know, someone swiped it on the way out. <laughs> someone said, no one's looking. <laughs> okay. Some of them, wallahi, more than that. To be honest, they let the food rot, and they just take the food and throw it away, and then they put the food, another plate of food again. You see people worshipping all sorts of things. Wallah, you see people, there are people who became Muslim. They told us they used to worship the pigs. And they used to worship monkeys. 
They told Wallah, it was very lovely brothers we know who became Muslim. And they told us, our family, they used to worship monkeys and some of them used to worship pigs. People worship the stars, people, people until today. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about stupid people, educated people who believe that the stars in the sky change what's going to happen to you tomorrow. And they read it in the newspaper. They open the newspaper and the newspaper says to them that the star today is going to make you rich. I'm sorry, that star doesn't have a clue what That star is a ball of fire. It doesn't have any idea what you're talking about. It doesn't have any clue. Allah made it either to decorate the sky or Allah made it to show you how to go, how to travel at night, which way to go, or Allah made it to hit the shaitan. Or any combination of them. Allah didn't make it for you to think that your money is going to come because this star. People believe if you're born on a certain day, your life today, if you were born in June, your life is going to be really different tomorrow. You cannot understand. Yes, Habibi. I can't understand it if you take that down. You know when people worship the sun, what happens to them? <laughs> sunburn. <laughs> That's it, a sunburn. No, they come, at, they come in the morning. You see them come in the morning when the sun rises, they say, we worship the sun, the sun came back. Where was the sun in the middle of the night when you were cold? <laughs> Wallah, they believe the strangest things. Like, don't think the Christians are free from this. The Christians, with God had a rest on a Sunday. God doesn't have a rest. Doesn't go to sleep. He does, if he had a rest, you would all die on that day. He, he doesn't have a kulla yawmin huafi shatan. Every day he is doing things. Subhanallah, you see what people believe. But Muslims, all of that is gone. You alone we worship. You alone we worship. And I mentioned about trees, worshipping trees. People, so many people worship trees. And they worship dead trees and living trees as well. And they hang their clothes on it for blessings and they hang things on it and they give jewellery and hang it on the tree for the tree to give them things. And What if you were the one who planted that tree? Yeah, well... You see people come and they touch the tree. They start touching the tree. And they start rubbing their face and their hands. People touch stones. People carry stones around. They say, this stone is giving me special powers. <laughs> it's just a stone. The best thing you can do with it is either build, a, build something with it or throw it at something. Or, you know, you can use it to clean yourself in the bathroom or something. It's not there to, it's not there to change your life. It's a stone. You alone we worship. We worship Allah. We worship the creator. Nothing else creates except Allah. We worship the one who is in control of everything and nothing is in control except Allah. 
We worship the one who gives you all the good things you had came from Allah. And nothing came from stones and trees and stars and animals of different kinds. We worship the one who looked after you from a, before you were a baby. Until you became a baby, until you became an adult and kept on giving you all of these good things. We worship the one who is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. The one who is in control, the one who's going to bring you back to life after you die. That's the one we worship. You alone we worship. And you alone we ask for help. Or we seek help from. And we ask help from. Okay, couple of questions. We're going to finish with this ayah, by the way. We're going to finish and conclude with this ayah. So, first of all, what does worship mean? If someone said to you, what is worship? Hmm? Submitting yourself. That's a very good, very good answer. That's an excellent answer. Submitting yourself with complete love. Some of them said that. Complete love and complete submission. Some people said that. Some scholars said that. What is worship? Could you give me an example of worship? I already asked you this in the first class. Where were you guys in the first class? Worship is worship. Give me an example. Give me an example. Every one of you, give me an example. Give me an example of worship. Huh? Prayer. Give me an example of worship. I'm not moving from you. I'll, I'm going to sit here until midnight, no problem. Give me an answer. Uh, no, you, oh, you stop giving answers. Any example? What about something you read that's worship? What about something you... Wait. What about something you... Do. Give me any example. Quickly, because I can hear the sound from next door. Quickly, give me an example so I can talk over it. Huh? Quickly, give me an example of worship. Anything you can think of this worship. Anything apart from prayer. You said prayer. There's so, what, anything else that's worship. Shall I come back to you? No, I want examples of worship. Fasting. Fasting. Give me an example of worship. Quran. Reading Quran. Give me an example of worship. Dua. Give me an example of worship. Give me, give me any, give me, a, give me an example. Salah already went. Sadaqah. Giving charity. Okay, give me an example of worship. No, no, there's, there's a million. 
There's a million. Every good deed you can think of. Give me any good deed that we haven't mentioned. Oi, you, stop it. Give me any good deed. Being good to you? Who? Who do you have to be good to? Being good to you? Mom and dad? Do you have to be good to your mom and dad in Islam? Being good to your mom and dad. Okay. That's another example of worship. Okay, now you remembered what worship is. Zakhala khair. After all of that, you remembered what worship is. Go on then. Everything that Allah loves and is pleased with. From statements and actions, whether they are inside or outside. That's what worship is. Everything Allah loves. Everything Allah loves. Whether statements or actions on the inside or on the outside. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a more difficult question. Let's start with things you say that Allah loves. Not individual words. You've got to give me different, different things. Dhikr. Okay, remembering Allah. Go on. Reading the Quran. Go on. Yes, you can go. Go on. Huh? Wallah, please. Can you take that thing off? Please. I can't. Wallah, I can't understand what you're saying. No, no. Take it off completely. Take it off completely. Take it off. Okay. Shukra Habibi. Oh, the other one. This one here. Okay. Ya Rabbi. Rabbana Yes. You gave a good answer. What was it? Surat? Al Fatiha. Okay, reading Surat Al Fatiha. Very good. Dua. Okay. What was the question? And that, by the way, for everyone at home, that question was from the adult who is here. What was the question? Something you say that Allah loves. We've had dhikr, dua, reading the Quran. What did you give us? Or you didn't yet? Give me something that Allah loves that you say. No, something you say, something you say that Allah loves. Dhikr got went already. He, mashallah, instead of saying alhamdulillah, subhanallah, he gave the whole thing, dhikr. But there's more. Salamu alaikum. Giving salam to your, to, yeah, is that not one? Salamu alaikum. Okay, what else? Keep going. Things that you say that Allah loves. Come on quickly, because this silence means we pick up the noise from next door. It's making a noise. So I want to talk so that the noise doesn't come on the microphone. Huh? Come back to you. Ah, mashallah. Mashallah, Sheikh now. What about if you said something nice to your 
Kalimatun tayyibah, you said something nice to your brother, like your brother was sad, you saw somebody who's not feeling well and you said to him, you okay, how are you, you fine? We missed you last week. You know something, you said something nice to someone. Many examples, okay? So we got what we said. Okay, what about something that we, what about something that we do? Everyone has to give me an example. You want to go first? Something we do with our hands and legs. No, no, I want you, you got the easiest to give a first example. I'm giving you first choice. Okay, go on. Something you do that Allah loves. The actions of the prayer. Okay, actions of the prayer. Like bowing, sujood, and standing in prayer. Okay, yes. Going round the Kaaba. Very nice. Yes. Where are we here? Where are we now? Where are you now? In the masjid. So how about Walk into the masjid, go into the masjid. You obviously remember my khutbah from last week. <laughs> Something else that you do with your hands that Allah loves. Giving charity to people, excellent. Yalla, mashaykh. Mashaykh. Al mashaykh. We say we say something you do physically. I gave you the example of speech, even the same example I gave you for speech, give it for action. I gave you, come on, we said this, man. I want to say physically you do with your hands. The highest of Iman is La ilaha illallah, which nobody said from the things you should say that Allah loves. La ilaha illallah. Okay. No, not from adhkar. La ilaha illallah is different from adhkar. I mean, it can be from the adhkar, but generally it's a statement of iman, right? Uh, the highest of iman is la ilaha illallah. What's the lowest branch of iman? Iman has 60-something or 70-something branches. The highest is la ilaha illallah. And the lowest is? Taking something harmful from the road. Masha'Allah, excellent. Taking something harmful from the road. Sometimes, subhanAllah, I just walk down the street, if I see a piece of glass, just pick it up and put it in the bin. Allah, you don't know how much reward you get from Allah, you just picked a piece of glass and put it in the bin. That's part of your iman. What else? No? Keep going. Allah, you can't think of anything. What have we, what's been going on here for the last few d days and weeks? Working for the masjid, building the masjid, okay, building a masjid. Yeah, take cleaning the masjid, going around and hoovering the masjid. What did Allah say? The only people who look after the masjid and build the masjid is the people who believe in Allah in the last day. So it's very important that you share in the jobs in the masjid, you look after the masjid, you take care of it, clean it. And so on. That's part of it. Okay, now it's harder. This was the easy one. Now I want things that you do with your heart that Allah loves. I give first chance to our. Not only because first is easiest, I'm giving you the easiest one. Something you do in your heart that Allah loves. 
Okay, which was? Loving Allah. Okay, good. What else? We mentioned in Surah Fatiha three already. We mentioned loving Allah and we mentioned? Okay. Huh? That's not in your heart. That's with your tongue. Allahumma khfirli. We said in Surah Fatiha, we said love and Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, we said hope. We said hope and Maliki Yawmiddin, we said it makes you feel. It makes you feel. Scared, feeling scared of Allah. Okay, what else? What, what else? Have you got one? Loving the Prophet ﷺ. Excellent. Loving who Allah loves. But that's a type of loving Allah because it came from loving Allah. And the reason you love the Prophet ﷺ is because Allah loves the Prophet ﷺ. That's true. What else you do with your heart? There are maybe 50 easily you can give. Actions you do with your heart Things you don't do with your hands You don't do it with your tongue You don't say it out loud You just do it with your heart Before you start your prayer You always mentioned it Every time you mentioned it And I kept getting it wrong And you kept saying The first thing you do is Intention Intention What else? I am a shaykh Sheikh Mo Mujud, huh? There's about forty, there's loads. You have another one? Go on, hat. Go and give me the other one. You said you have another one. Go and give it. Tawakkul, reliance in Allah, loving Allah, hoping Allah, fearing Allah, trusting in Allah, lo- hating for the sake of Allah. Good. Ha- loving for the sake of Allah and hating for the sake of Allah. Intention. Thinking, what about like thinking and reflecting? Thinking about the Quran. Just thinking about the signs of Allah, thinking about the Quran. Sincerity Being scared of Allah We mentioned that Yeah So there are a lot of examples of things you, All of these are types of worship Okay You alone we worship You alone we ask for help Is asking Allah for help A type of worship So why did Allah mention it separately Allah said you Only you we worship and only you we ask for help. Okay, so it could be that someone worships Allah, but most of the people who fell into making partners with Allah, they fell into it by asking help from those things. Yeah? So it's not allowed to ask anyone for help, right? Not at all. Haram, yeah? So for example, when I say, could you set that camera up for me? I left Islam with that. 
Okay, so you asking someone for help for something that only Allah can do, that's what is, is meant by what takes you out of Islam. So for example, saying to someone, give me Jannah. Saying to someone, protect me from every harm. Saying to someone, give me life, cause so-and-so to die, so-and-so. Like the things that are only in the hands of Allah. Okay, good. Is it good though to ask people for help too much, just generally? No, it's not good. It's not good. Okay. So Allah said this for a number of reasons. First of all, did you have another one? Okay. First of all, first of all, the first reason is because the first reason is because a lot of people fell into the mistake of asking other people for things that are in the hands of Allah. Yeah? Also because it's so important. Also because When you ask that person for something, does they, could they get harm? If they are happy for you to ask them, yeah. If they're happy for you to ask them for something that's only for Allah, yeah, then they, they also, definitely. Also, because you're actually asking Allah for help here. So this is the first place in Surah Al-Fatiha where you start to ask for something. Because when you say, we only ask you for help. Like, it's saying that, so help me, right? Like, that's, it's another way of asking Allah, help me. If you say, oh Allah, I'm only asking you for help. What does that mean? Help me. It means, help me. Because not, I'm not asking anybody else. So it's, it's asking you, in a different way, you're asking Allah to help you. And that's why this ayah, Allah says, this ayah is between me. This is between me and my servant. What is for Allah? Which bit of that is for Allah and which bit is for the servant? <laughs> no, not quite. For Allah is the worship. And for the servant is asking for help. You need the bit that comes to you is you ask Allah for help. You're asking Allah for help. Does that make sense? Okay, do we have any questions before we finish off? Anything you didn't understand? That's it. Okay. And that's what Allah made easy for us this time. Next lesson, we're going to do the third part. That's what Allah made easy for us to mention. Allah knows best.